Hey church, happy Sunday and happy summer. You know, this, we're just getting into the season of summer and I love summer. You know, I love going in the pool and I love going out to the beach and you know, going for walks and being able to do a whole lot of those things that you can't really do so much in the winter that lasts forever here in Manitoba. So I, I love the summer, but um, we're also getting into our new series that we're starting today. We're starting, it's called the our Campfire Favorites. And we're telling our favorite stories from the Bible. These are stories that have had a huge impact on us. And they can be funny stories. They can be little stories. They can be big stories. And it's just about telling what kind of things God has done in our lives through these stories in his book. And I'm excited to, to be sharing one of those today. And I'm excited that different members of our congregation will be sharing throughout the summer. And I'm really looking forward to that. So today, we're starting with a real classic. I'm, I'm going to be preaching to you from the story of David and Goliath, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, I'm going to be in First, Cha First Samuel chapter 17. And I know this is, this is a really familiar story, and it's not even that it's a really familiar story for us who've been in the church for a long time. No, this is a familiar story. Like the imagery of David and Goliath, it's not even unique to Christians, right? Like our whole society uses these images when they talk about two people of or two two organizations of different strengths meeting each other they talk about a David and Goliath battle it's it's our it's our cultural metaphor for an underdog victory and like it's we know it so well we all know this story so well but i really encourage you to try to come to this story today with fresh eyes and especially that we can see how this story applies to our lives and where are we in this story and where are the things that we can find to put into our lives from this story. So with that, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, thanks for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is ever new and fresh. We pray that your spirit would be hard at work in us, Lord. We pray that your spirit would be bringing out those things that you would share with us. We pray that you would highlight for us the things that you need to say to each one of us, Lord, because we know that we need different things, but you are a God who sees all of it. Thank you, Father, for the way that you provide. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's set the stage a little. I'm going to read a little bit of First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read up kind of to set the stage. So the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim, between Soko and Azekah. You know, between Soko and Azekah? Yeah, I don't know where that is either. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span, which my Bible says is about nine feet, nine inches. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which the notes in my Bible say 15 pounds for the head of his spear. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. 
If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. I'm going to skip down to verse 16. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So there's lots to talk about in the story of David and Goliath, and we're going to keep working through the story. We're not going to stop there, but I wanted to set the stage for us. So there are three things that we can learn from David. And the first thing that we need to learn about David from his story, that in order for David to defeat Goliath, in order for David to walk in the things that God had for him, to, to do the good works that God had laid out in advance for him to do, as Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, David had to do some things. And the first thing that David had to do, David had to get over himself. And that's not something that a whole lot of us really like to hear because obviously the implication is that in order for us to follow God, we have to get over ourselves. And that's that's kind of an uncomfortable thought. But let's let's see what we mean here. So David David had several opportunities to turn back, to not go through with this, to not fight Goliath. And almost all of them hinged on what David's attitude was. So often in life, we can't stop how other people treat us, and you can't stop what your circumstances are, but we can manage how we respond. You know, there, there's, lots and, there's lots of quotes around that say, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you manage it, and you know, things like that. But, but I think it's so true that the way that we respond and the, the attitude that we bring is so important. So let's see, the first opportunity that David has to turn back comes verse 17 to 20. Let's read. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. So we got to realize this, this is Dan, David's first opportunity to miss what God has for him. Because there's, there's so much going on here. At this point in the story, David has already been anointed by Samuel. David knows that he is going to be the next king of Israel. He knows that God has rejected Saul. And it would be so easy for David when his father comes to him and says, take this bread and this cheese to your brothers and to their commanders, for David to say, I'm the next king. I'm not your skip the dishes delivery. Wouldn't it be so easy for David to have a bad attitude? And, or, or even if David had just slept in, you know, it says that David got up early. In verse 20, it says that David got up early in the morning and left the flock in the care of a shepherd. And he got there just as the army was going out to its battle positions. Do you realize that if David had slept in or if David had had a bad attitude and just dropped the food off and immediately left, he never would have even seen Goliath. 
He would have never, he would have never had his battle. He never, like, none of that could have happened if David had slept in that day. And, you know, I'm not anti-sleeping in, but I am pro-diligence, you know? You know what I mean? So, but David has, has a great attitude about this. He doesn't, he doesn't say, no, I'm better than that. He, he kind of jumps at the opportunity. And we have to ask ourselves, what are the sorts of jobs that we think that we're above? So I, I do have one funny story for you guys today, and I'll share it. So last week, Sunday, was Father's Day, which we'd mentioned. And, you know, I was at home with my, my family because, of course, we can't have, can't have church together the way that we normally do. And we were getting ready. We were going to get together with my family to celebrate my dad and a little bit of me while we were for Father's Day. And um, my son, who's three years old, and he was, he was having some, some tummy trouble that morning. And so he uh, had to go to the potty, and so I took him. and And as he was as he was sitting there, he uh, he shrugged off his pajama pants, you know, as one does sometimes. So he didn't have any pants on, and I went, "Well, we got to go get dressed anyway to to go over." And so didn't really worry about it, and sent him off. And I, I finished up there, and and he and as I came out of the washroom, my wife met me at the at the door, and she said you know what, honey, it's Father's Day. Why don't you go sit on the couch? Why don't you go relax? And I'll take care of getting the kids' bags ready to go out for the day. Wow. What a, what a wonderful wife. It's so, so kind of her. And basically, as the words finished coming out of her mouth, my son came back out of his room. Now, you have to know that we, we just got him a big set of wooden train tracks. And he's so excited about these. And they're, they're all over his bedroom right now. But so he'd come out of the washroom after having tummy troubles and wasn't wearing pants and went to go play with his trains more. And he came back out of his room and said, Mama, Dada, there's poo-poo on my train tracks. <laughs> Poor little guy. Anyway, you don't need to hear any more details about that. But suffice to say that my wife's response was, well, I'm going to go make the bags up, like I said. And I said, and I'll go take care of that. I didn't, I didn't go, well, it's Father's Day. I don't have to. But and, you know, like, this is a funny story, right? It's a silly story. It doesn't mean anything. But it's just a, a fun and easy example of us to, to look at and think about, are there things that we think that we're above? Are we, do we find ourselves thinking that we're too good for some of the things that God calls us to do? So let's, let's move on from that story. The second opportunity for David to turn back comes in verse 26. So let's start reading there. We're going to read down to verse 30. Um, so this is after David has come. He's seen Goliath. He's heard Goliath's challenge. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Uh, the king will give him great wealth, and he will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. When Eliab, the, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? 
He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, with, and the men answered him as before. So David's second opportunity to turn back is that David could have gotten offended by his brother, or he could have given up and left. Because if David stands and argues with Eliab, he misses his chance to fight Goliath. He doesn't get Saul's attention, and, and he misses it. So David has this chance, and because David didn't focus in on the offensive actions of his brother, which are deeply rude and wrong, right? David has come there to bring food to his brothers. He's there to serve them, and this is how he gets met? You could really appreciate it if David's response was a lot nastier than it was. But David doesn't let his brother derail him. And I wonder if we're letting offensive people get in the way of what God is calling us to do, that we're getting distracted by these other things, and that instead of dealing with what God has actually called us to do, we get caught up dealing with the mundane people who are hurtful to us instead of shrugging those off and moving forward with what God has. So finally, the third the third place that David could have turned back um, happens in verse 33. So let's, let's read, uh, starting in verse 31, picking up just right where we were. When David said, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been his a warrior from his youth. Oh, those are hard words. You are not able, you are only. Those are hard to hear. The third place where David could have turned back is if David had accepted the wisdom of everyone around him who was saying that it couldn't be done. David had a burning passion in his heart. He had, he had a drive from God to accomplish this thing. But everyone around him was saying it couldn't be done. And if David had listened to those people, then it wouldn't have ever come to pass. And I'm not saying that wisdom is bad or that, that listening to people around you is bad. But we have to be careful. I, I often say that there is a fine line between wisdom and cowardice. Likewise, there's a fine line between faithfulness and foolishness, right? Like we gotta, we gotta be very careful with where those things are, but we need to be, we need to be sure that we are listening to God and not being derailed by what the people around us are saying, no matter how wise they are, no matter how knowledgeable they are about the field that we're in. If we really know that we've received this thing from God to do in this area, we can't let others pull us back from it. And of course, what's really dark about all this is that Saul isn't supposed to be the one talking like this. Saul is supposed to be God's man. He's supposed to be the king of Israel who, who stands up. The one who's supposed to go out and fight Goliath is Saul. Saul is the one who should be doing that. But he's not. Saul is so desperate that he's offering up his own daughter and tax exemption for the entire family if someone else will take up Saul's problem. David isn't used to being in a deadlock. Saul has been sitting here listening to Goliath for, what did it say, 40 days, 30 days? They've been there a while. They are, they're in a rut. And especially when people tell you that it can't be done, we need to be careful that these people aren't speaking. They may be speaking out of a 
a very good place, right? Like they may be trying to be kind. They may be trying to be helpful. But sometimes people who tell you it can't be done are really saying, I couldn't do it. And we don't want to be the kinds of people who are comfortable in our ruts. We don't want to get comfortable in those places that we couldn't get over, right? We want to keep fighting. We want to keep pushing for what God has for us and for the people that God has made us to be and to, to for more of Jesus in our lives. So let's, let's read what David responds to Saul, starting in verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, go with your bad self, and may the Lord be with you. Saul, David gave Saul hope. And that's amazing. That's so cool. Saul, who'd been stuck in a rut, suddenly had hope. And he was willing to gamble everything on David because of the passion that he saw in David, because of the faithfulness that he saw in David, the trust in God that David had. That's amazing. So that brings us to our second thing that we can learn from David, that David had to embrace who God made him to be. David had to make sure that he wasn't trying to be someone else. Because the next part of the story, let's read a couple more verses. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. David couldn't fight the way that Saul wanted him to in Saul's armor. Other people have ideas about who you should be. Sometimes they're people who are really close to you. They're people whose input you value. And they have ideas about who you should be. And those ideas aren't always from God. And that's why I say it's so important that we have to be plugged into God, that we have to be communing with his spirit, that we have to be getting to know Jesus, because we need those answers from God and not from the people around us that people around us may not even be wrong. But in this instance, Saul wanted David to fight the way that Saul expected to fight. And that's not who David was. David couldn't fight in Saul's armor. But you know who else had ideas about how David should fight? Goliath had ideas about how David should fight. Let's read verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. See, here's the thing about how Goliath wanted to fight. He said to David, Come here. He wanted David to come down and fight him, frankly, the way Saul expected to. With a sword, with a shield, with a spear, in for lack of a better word, in a melee combat, right? He wanted to fight him hand-to-hand. -hand. And I'll tell you something maybe a little strange. I believe that if David had done that, Goliath would have fed David to the dogs. That if David had gone down and fought Goliath hand-to-hand, -hand, he would have died. 
and Goliath would have won and we would have a very different story. But David didn't. David didn't try to fight Goliath on Goliath's terms. David had to fight the way that God had made him. And God had made David to fight with a sling. And let's go back, let's jump back up to verse 40. So after David took off Saul's armor, he, David took his staff in his hand, he chose five smooth stones from the stream, he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. So David knew what his way was. He knew the way that God had called him to be, and David chose to walk in that. And I think that that's a real message for us. There's a reason why I'm not out trying to be a children's pastor. We need to follow the, the path that God has laid for us. Now, let's be clear. This doesn't mean that we don't want to grow. This doesn't mean that we don't have aspirations, that we don't try to be conformed to the image of God. As Romans 8.29 says, it, what it means is that the hand, that we, we as members of one body, the, the one who is the hand isn't trying to be a mouth. And the eye isn't trying to be a foot. I'm getting this metaphor from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about the church as many members, but one body. So I'm not saying that you don't ever try to be better. I'm saying that you need to try to not be someone that you're not. Because trying to be someone that you're not, trying to be someone that God hasn't created you to be, is a sure way to miss the good works that God has prepared for you to do like in Ephesians 2.10. So now we get to the climax of the story. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Man, this is a great story. But this isn't the end of the story. Normally, this is where many of us stop reading. But the story doesn't actually end here. And this brings us to the third thing that I'd like us to learn from the story of David and Goliath. David had to finish the job. Let's keep reading. David ran and stood over him, Goliath. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath, after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shariam road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. It's so easy for us in our own lives to think that that's good enough. That, you know, we're, we're fighting up some battle. Hey, 
we listen to church, we feel better, and then we go right back to how we live the whole rest of the week. Sometimes we fight sin a little bit and we win some battles and we last for a while, but then you let yourself slip because maybe you think you deserve it. But we have to finish the job. David didn't just hit Goliath with a stone, he cut off his head. And then David and the Israelites routed the army right back to the Philistine cities. And importantly, David took a trophy to remind him of what God had done. This is also what David did in verse 34 to 37, when he talked about the lion and the bear and he was giving Saul hope. David was remembering what God had done before. So what has God done in your life that you need to be reminded of? And where are the battles that you need to make sure that you fight all the way through? I love the story of David and Goliath, not just because it's a fun action scene in the Bible, but because there's so much humanity going on and there's so much that we can learn from it. I love being reminded not to be distracted by the other things of life and that I need to be diligent in my pursuit of God, that I need to be true to the calling that God has put on my life and not try to be like someone else that I admire. And that we aren't done, that there's so much more to do and we can look to what God has already done to encourage us into the future. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the story of David and Goliath. We pray that you would help us throughout this week to be like David, to not be distracted by those things around us, to have a good attitude and to pursue those things that you have, to remember who it is that you have made us to be, God, to walk in that and to not be pulled aside by other ideas. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to finish the battles, that you would help us to finish off the fights and to not fall back into old habits that we're used to. Pray that you would go with us from this place. Pray all this in the name of your Son.